Hi everybody, welcome to WoodyCast episode number four. Really appreciate you listening and hope you're enjoying uh, the interviews we've had so far. Just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we are now available on uh, iTunes and Spotify. There is a link on the website, so if you want your podcast to drop um, whenever we produce one, that would be that would be amazing. So just click on the link and uh, you can go from there. Uh, the next interview was done on the northern beaches of Sydney, Australia. It was just prior to the New South Wales Surf Lifesaving Championships and it was after that that we learned that both the Queensland Championships and the Australian Surf Lifesaving Championships were going to be cancelled due to coronavirus and that brought a sudden end to the entire summer season in Australia. My next guest, he comes from Manly Sporting Royalty. He was a head coach at Manly during the golden era from 2007 to 2014. He's one of Australia's leading surf coaches. He's a former New South Wales Coach of the Year. He's a super super interesting guy and it was in the uh, the end of the summer in 2014 that he sent shockwave through the manly surfing community when he moved 10 kilometers up the northern beaches to newport the development of the newport kinghorn surf racing academy has been incredible and along with surfing great nick carroll they have produced one of the most powerful squads of young surf athletes in australia we cover a fair bit of history on this one so please enjoy my conversation with trent herring stand on the beach and watch him win that event that day and such a prestigious event as you said was it was one of you know one of the highlights of my coaching career just to see him run across the line have his mum his dad his sister his brother and his whole club where he started as a six-year-old win for Newport it was it was amazing it was really really special I'd like to welcome everyone to the Woody Cast. We're here um, this week. We're in uh, on the northern beaches of Sydney in Australia, and I've got with me a guy who is a professional surf coach, extremely well known right around Australia, former New South Wales Surf Coach of the Year. And so I'll get him to introduce himself now. Good to see you, Woody. Trent Herring. I'm now 50. One of the coaches at Newport Surf Racing Academy, previously at Manly. That's what I'm doing. Now you messaged me this morning and uh, you said you were training at Manly at 6am. Uh, what's where? How does your your own personal training stuff happen? Give us a look at look at what you do these days. Myself personally? Yeah. Not not enough. <laughs> I'm so uh, into what we're doing with our squad, so it's relentless. You know, obviously, you know how the swimming works. They're at that five mornings a week. Um, I'll have a little bit of time with the kids during the day, but uh, when we roll on at Newport, it is individual ski Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll do board Tuesday, Thursday with running sets after that. But Wednesday is obviously our really big day, which is iron changeovers. We have a session that goes at two o'clock for the Nutrigrain athletes and our better athletes, and then obviously for the workers and school kids coming at 4.30. And then we repeat that and do that again Saturday morning as our biggest session of the week as a club session. Mate, full disclosure, I've known you for ever and ever and ever. When, when, when you talk about man, families of manly, sporting families of manly, and manly tradition is deep in, in sport. And, and the Herring family, you guys have been, you know, yourself, with your kids now, yourself, your dad, your, your, your dad's parents, your, your, your mum's parents. Tell us a little bit about the, about the Herring family and, and take us back as far as you can remember and, and yeah, tell us a bit about the Herring family sport tradition in Manly. Yeah, well, I suppose um, lucky that mum and dad were both born in Manly. Battlers from uh, Batland families, but somehow dad found himself in Darley Street, 
Dully Road, Manly, and Mum grew up in Stewart Street, Manly. So it's right in the guts of Manly. Um, I've got life members on both sides of my family. So Mum's side, my grandfather, Jimmy Coates, had the swim school at the old Manly bars. That's pre-Olympic pools. So that's sort of back to Boy Charlton, sort of all the greats, Johnny Devitt, and there's the tidal bars. So you've got ferries coming in and out. You've got the marine stingers and... And that's where, whether you're at the local girls' school, McKellar or Bally Boys, that's where you go and have your swimming carnival. So my grandfather on mum's side ran the swim school there, and that's where I actually lived for my first three years. So mum, right, on the, right on the harbour? Right on the harbour, right mm, next amazing. to the old, you know, opposite the, the wharf and right next to the yacht, uh, the skiff club now, and, and the premises now is owned by the Manly Sailing Club. Mm. So I had my wedding there anyway. Yeah, I was there for three or four years, and the 74 storms came through and destroyed it. And that's when mum and dad moved out to Harbord. So it must have been tough for them, as you say, the whole family mainly through and through. And I was born and bred there, and obviously in the local Manly Swimming Club, the local surf club, started the six-year-old nipper there. But it wasn't just surf club, was it? Because I know, you, I know your old man, uh, the great Bob Herring, I know he represented New South Wales in rugby. Yep. You know, back in the days when it, when it really was difficult to represent New South Wales in rugby, right? It was, yeah. And Manly was a village then, so everyone knew everyone. And it's pretty well what you did. Winter, it was rugby or your league. And as you know, in summer, it was surf life saving or cricket. And that's all that era probably real, ever really knew and sort of my era, your era to my era, that's what it was. And I mean, obviously it's a changing place now. Manly's totally different. The demographics have changed and changed even since the seven years I've been in Newport. It's just a changing place. But dad, yeah, dad grew up. He actually learned to kick a football through one of his best mate's fathers, Joe Allegich, who obviously was a president of the surf club and played for the Socceroos. So he taught dad to kick a ball and dad just progressed through junior rugby and you're right playing rugby for Manly then because it was the premier competition in Australia and that's where you'll pick to represent Sydney New South Wales or Australia times have changed but um, he was always involved in the surf club but rugby was his thing and down there this morning at 77 years of age he's still sitting out the front of the surf club where obviously he progressed through as a competitor became president through a golden era and now he just has his morning walk, morning swim. Is there any particular value that you may feel that he passed to you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Me growing up in Manly, I feel that I was so fortunate to be taught how to swim or learn how to catch a body wave, whether it was from Dad, people like Max Riddington, Barry Taylor, Nipper Ward. You know, they were all great athletes in different ways and they were all connected to a lot of sports. So, um, you know, through the surf club, I learned to fish, spearfish, surf, you know. Obviously, there was, we used to box. We had so many different things running around the club, and we're all athletes, and it was our home away from home. It was our safe haven, and... I mean, things were different then. Like, oh, back in those days, you had, it wasn't uncommon for, for someone to, to represent their state or their country in two sports or three sports. But do you think now, do you think, when you think of the kids maybe that are coming through now, they... They tend to specialise a little bit more. Yeah, and it just well, I think that's just society now. Yep. The youth with the computers and basketball and mountain biking, and there's just all this the rage of tough mudder and CrossFit and all those sorts of there. Forty five. So you know, you go to the school holidays. I sat down there, you know, I had a little bit of time off from Newport, and I still because obviously I live in Seaforth and Manly's still my home, so I spend a lot of time in that corner. The kids are not hanging there. 
for the six weeks of the school holidays, I would have been there for every day of those six weeks. Whether we were making up our own test match cricket on the beach or on the promenade or playing touch football, you know, finding our own fun, you know, riding bikes, going to jump rock. And we just hung there and that was our home. And kids are, it's just not there now. I, I, they're, they're busy, they're schoolings. A lot of kids go to private schools. I, whether, I spend a lot of time covering the whole northern beaches. I live here, Manly to Newport. You see the, you know, you see all the private buses, private school buses sitting around now. So, you know, school, a bit more rough and tumble in our day around this area. You went there to pretty well eat your lunch and mm. knock about. But the, the, the pressure on the kids for their schooling and the parents are obviously spending seriously serious money on their education and that's just the way it is. But yeah, it is it is surf life saving has has been the glory days. It is going through a sort of quite a tough period. Yep. So so, yeah, so do you think the kids I don't know, are the kids were, were they better equipped back in the day or are they better equipped? They may be better equipped for life back in the day, but are they better equipped for sport now? I, I, well, they're just the options are... Uh, all the facilities on the northern beaches haven't improved. So our, I think the, the swimming is on a slide. We had great swimmers. And we it's really hard for us as you know competitive surf clubs to find elite swimmers now. Oh. And, and they used to lap over. If you're a... You know, when we were swimming, you were racing the best kids with surf competitors from Cronulla or from Newcastle. Or now, swimming is, you know, it's it's progressed so much, and it's such a uh, it was a full professional sport, and, and the facilities are everywhere. So, um, so you're saying a lot of the real good swimmers aren't actually coming back to surf into surf life? No, right. We don't see the elite there anymore. So, you know. Someone like Alani Pallister's about to come through. She's a great, great swimmer and got a lot of family history in the sport. But I would love to see her have a crack at iron racing. She might, you know, that's exactly what the sport needs, someone like Alani Pallister. But she'll go to the Olympic trials, more likely go to Rio and probably spend the next 12 years chasing an Olympic dream, which you totally understand. Yeah. If she goes to Rio, there won't be anyone there. She probably needs to no, get sorry, Japan, Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. Yeah, 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 Tokyo. Yeah, she might. <laughs> She might hang around and go to Rio when it comes around again. <laughs> so when you when you look back, it, you, I mean, you had no chance. You were always going to sport was always going to be about you. Was yes. you, I mean, you, your whole life is always going to be about sport. But your own sporting career was pretty great, really. I mean, I, I know yeah. from my own memory, I know that you, um, Yolanda, used to swim with Carlisle, which at that point was turning out, you know, the best swimmers in Australia. Yeah. And, and and I know that you. You won a, an Australian swimming t a title with with Carlisle. So um, you've also you played rugby for Manly in the in the Sydney Premiership. You also played in the NRL in rugby league. You're a member of the Australian Junior Kayak team. So you've got a really rounded sporting career. Yeah, your history is is fantastic. Yeah, jack of all trades, master of none, really. So um, yeah, I was fortunate and I had a great upbringing. I had all the great opportunities, but I never really cut it to the very top and, level. And so my so next that, question is, why do you think that was the case? What was the difference? What, what oh, stopped you I, I jumped there? around, I jumped around, you know, and Dad used to always say, when you're at the surf, you want to be playing football. When it was football season, you want to go to the beach. So I had a, I had a lot of choices, and I did really love rugby league. For one reason, I came through all the reps exactly through the whole rep scene and rugby league was great that's really at the end of the day what i wanted to do but there was that passion of living at the beach so you had your summer window it was 
you know, it just rolled in to each other. It, it was, you know, the old days you could just play football, come back and then start your surf season. But then it started to overlap and it was pretty, it was nearly impossible to do both. So I made the choice to come out of junior year, I had a bad injury. So then with my surf club connection, went and played local rugby for one year. Might have been two years. And then I signed with Manly League and that's ultimately what I wanted to do. So it's only 21, 22 there. And Dad said, I'll pass you by quick. And I thought, yeah, I've been graded. I'm playing second grade at Manly and there were some great players. You've got like, Jeff Tuvey in front of me, Cliffy Lyons, Desi Hasler there at the time. And it was a, a great team. And I thought, Chad, I'm playing reserve grade. I've made it. But I hadn't really made it. That next step was to, obviously, we played first grade rugby, played a lot of junior rep league. And I thought, this is ultimately where I wanted to be. And I thought I was there, but I wasn't quite there. And then two years later, it was over. And then I had to, you know, be reinstated back to rugby. I had to sit out a year. So I, I chopped and changed and jumped all over the place and never quite cut the full career path that I'd hoped. And that's really how I really think it's helped me with my coaching because I've tried to make sure people make well, the was, right decision. I was going to ask you that because you've obviously, you know, since you're a real young guy, you've had a million coaches yep. in a million different sports. Yep. And... The question was, yeah, what what have you sort of learned from those? I mean, I know that I know my brother used to coach you when you were when you were paddling, doing kayaking and stuff like that. Yeah. And I know he flogged you like a. And I just and again, I wondered whether whether that, you know, if I if I if I had your old man in this room here, I mean, I think that I think that he probably thought that my brother flogged you that hard that he sort of finished your paddling career, you know. And I wondered whether, you know, what what you've taken from all those experiences into your own coaching career. Yeah, no, definitely. They were the they were the best times of not only my life but all the kids that I grew up with around Mountley Surf Club, and, and I was very fortunate to have your brother Steve as a mentor and a coach. But no, it was the it was just that I wanted to play rugby league. You know, I love the surf, but it was I just thought footy was my thing, and that's what I wanted to do. just play at Brookie Oval and play for Manly. And you know, I was always going to be involved in the surf club as I still am, but the discipline and the old school, I see the girls weren't involved in the surf club. So it was really quite tough. The discipline was there and the respect was there. You wouldn't, you just wouldn't be there to be late. And you, if you were late, you wouldn't walk down to start your session walking down no, without a care in the world. You know, all those little things, I look at the kids I coach now, I, you boys, you wouldn't have survived. I remember a session with your brother. I had to go to school. Like, school's gone back here now, and we were at Narrabeen Lake, and I hadn't trained that well. I thought I went okay. He obviously picked me up at 4.30, and I had my shoes. I went to get back into the car after the session. The door was locked. So he just <laughs> kept the button down, reached for my shoes, flung them over the driver's side to the passenger side, said, shit session, run home. 14, I had to be at school. I had to run from Narrabeen <laughs> to Freshwater. You know, it's an 18k run. <laughs> he wasn't fussed that I was going to be late for school. It's a shit session, don't do it again. Imagine doing that these days, you know. So I grew up in a really tough and great era and there was plenty of laughs and there was plenty of characters back then. And it is just shied away from that. So, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, the breeding ground of Manly surf and, and footy was a fantastic place to grow up and was blessed to be surrounded by a bunch of great athletes, whether it was surf, rugby, league, cricket, boxing, yeah. sailing, and for me that was Manly, so that was the place and 
So I have what, a mate, what, uh, what prompted the, uh, the move into coaching? Um, it was by accident, just by hanging around the surf club. There was a girl coming through who was a great talent. I was a member of the club, but I wasn't competing for the club at the time. But, you know, we used to spend a lot of time at the front of that club, and her name was Naomi Flood. And she said, can you help me? And I thought, oh, how? Why is she asking me? She obviously knew a little about, a little bit about my past, knew what, you know, how I conducted myself. And I said, Naomi, what do you want? She said, I want to win a series. And I thought, well, she was a young girl. It was all there. She was a great swimmer. She was strong. Was, was, I, was, was Floody in, was she still in Queenscliff at that time? No, she was already at Manly. She was already at Manly. Yeah, and she was doing really well. Mm. She might have been, you know, the first year soon at the time. So she was cutting a, a great career path for herself anyway. But she just wanted to go that next level. And I just, one off season, as you do around Manly, we just started boxing upstairs in the surf club, which we had done in the past for 10 years, 20 years before. We always seemed to have run a couple of boxing sessions a week. But I'd take her one-on-one. And then she probably thought, I'd seen him on the ski a bit. You take me out in the ski. So we didn't progress on the ski. And then I took to a few places where we grew up no females had really paddled their skis beyond Bower. You know, they were sort of Manly Point, Shelley Beach, Queenscliff. Yeah. How old was Floody at that time? Well, she was, she would have been 19, 20. She would have been oh, first okay. year senior. Yeah, yeah. So oh. she'd progressed through uh, Bilgola to Queenscliff and then to Manly. But I'd been watching her and obviously as you do, you watch all the athletes come through and um, but it was really a time for her to win a series. I think she'd been 13th and she'd been, you know, 8th and was might have been 4th. And um, so we boxed and then we did a lot of ski work and I took her out to a place from North Head, North and South Head, which is obviously the entrance to Sydney Harbour. So were you, were you charging her this time? No, 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 I wasn't even a, this was just... It wasn't that formal. It was, a, it was yeah. a throwback to exactly what you were talking about. I was fortunate enough to be helped by a lot of people along the way, it's whether it was you, back. Woody, your brother, Steve, it was giving back. And I hung around the club and I just, yeah, plenty of people had helped us. Whether it was just someone like Phil Spear with our beach sprinting, which transpired into us playing, you know, pre-season for rugby and now all our sevens rugby. So it was just that connection, that sporty, yeah, manly connection. To do it well, yeah, right? totally yeah. stoked to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to take her out to Bluefish, Northhead, Deadmans, all these sort of crazy, places where you, we would train pre-season in the middle of winter where the roaring southerly rips down the huge cliff faces and it's quite an eerie and scary place to be. You know, it was for us. I'll just take it back. I remember you and Stephen and Greg Bennett were training for Molokai and you took me around the heads for the very first time. I think it was nearly dark when we left. We had to go around the Sour and Pigs in the middle of Sydney Harbour and back. You guys were training for Molokai. I was like 15 years of age. It was just do your best. <laughs> see you at the end. See you at the end. I was paddling for 20 minutes in pitch black. <laughs> it was just frightening. But that was, you know, early 80s. And I started working with someone, Nomi, in 2008, 2009, 2010. Anyway, it was a, a, just a pre-season of boxing and, and progressing to, to take a ski paddling to the next level. Yep. Really wanted her to be the best women's ski paddler that the yep. world had ever seen. But you and, weren't the official manly coach at that time? No. Right. So... I coached her that year, and then the next year I took a part role cup, uh, part-time coaching role at Manly, and yep. that's how it evolved. And, and like before you did that, oh, I was part-time, so you were still. You, what was your What was your job at that stage? Uh, your plumbing. Well, through the surf club, I did an apprenticeship plumbing with one right. of the, the 
Tony Pacelli, who yep. was a great member at Manly and a lot, became a life member and he's still paddling down there right now. And then uh, I did uh, half a dozen seasons as a professional lifeguard on the beach. So I knew the beach, I knew the conditions. I'd grown up, I was a six-year-old nipper at Manly myself, so I came right through the system. So say so I was a master of jack of all trades and master of none, but I did know the beach, I knew the water, I knew the conditions. I didn't know much else, but I, I just knew that I could help. Yep the next bunch of aspiring athletes at, at Manly Lifesaving Club and that's where it pretty well started and it started with her and it was a part-time gig the very first year and then just evolved every year after that. And then became full-time? Yeah, I became a full-time coach at Manly. Naomi obviously won that series that we were chasing the very first off-season, the very first year I worked with her. And when we say in series, we're talking about Nutribrain. We're talking about the Kellogg's Nutribrain. Kellogg's Nutribrain yeah. series. So she was the first male or female to win that from Manly. I think it might have even been from New South Wales, full stop. There'd been a few people originally from New South Wales, but they all jumped to Queensland to chase that dream and win it from up there because you're training obviously in water, warmer water and, and the clubs are in a better state than ours. We're yeah. still running off chook raffles. They've got licensed premises, gaming. This is basically just a lot more money in the Queensland surf life saving movement than totally, in New South Wales. Totally, totally. Like if anybody, if anybody um, you know, from the UK or Europe comes to, comes to Australia, you'll see that the you know, when you visit surf clubs in, in Queensland, you visit surf clubs in, in New South Wales, there's a completely different financial foundation to the clubs, which is why there's been a, a domination so much in, in surf life saving in Queensland over the last 20 years, probably. Yeah, that's um, right. So with Manly for seven years, yep. you had some unbelievable talent, didn't you? Murray Stewart, Georgia Miller, obviously Floody. Yep. I mean, it was a golden era. It really was. Um, Devin Halligan, Candace Fowson, Mika Kasuki. And, and and there was some, like I say, with Murray Stewart, Joe Brigner-Jones going to the London Olympics and Naomi obviously crossed from once she achieved that series win that she was chasing. She wanted to give that away and then chase an Olympic dream, which was sprint canoe. And I said, look, you've won that series now. Let's just defend it for one more year. She got third um, and then drifted off and started paddling kayaks on the lake at Narrabeen and, you know, she went to two Olympics. So, yeah. amazing athlete and, and it was a, a really good time to come through and build teams to challenge Northcliffe because, you know, Northcliffe was the strongest club in Australia but Manly had all the tradition and all the history. The club's a lot younger up there but they've obviously, as you just said, they've taken themselves to another level that our clubs haven't yet. And I was just really wanted to keep um, our athletes in Sydney, Manly, and we built great teams. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was really was a golden era with, to see the girls go back to back and win the first two female tablins for Manly, to see them win, you know, three or four ski relays in a row, win board rescues. But the girls, you know, we had 30 girls at Manly then, 30, you know, 17, 19 open, you know, age group girls, and it was it was a fantastic time, and something I'm really really proud of. And they've all drifted off into life after sport, and you know, someone like Naomi's now full time coach at Northcliffe, and we have a great relationship. I still see her yeah. every third weekend, travelling around the countryside. I've had this chat with a couple of the couple of the girls that I coach back home, and I can remember the the times that I paddled with Floody on the on the harbour or whatever or wherever. 
she was so strong, not just physically, so strong mentally that there's just, if she was on your wash or there's just not a chance she'd let you paddle away yep. without killing yourself. You know, I think, what, what do you see as the strength of her? And, and that's why I gravitated to her because you could just see that she wanted She's to. She's giving get back as much as she Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she. She had a little soft side to her. You know, Naomi knew the surfing, so she knew as much as he, as we did. But she was a lot younger. She just needed that little bit of reassurance every time she stepped on the line, and she was away. And and, and she is, without a doubt, the greatest surf ski female paddler the world's ever seen. And I don't know if we'll ever see one like her again. Like she was just such a great all-round surf athlete she won individual skis she won open belts she was part of all our teams and always went first you know always led her off in the taplin if the order suited ski relay i'm going first it was never an issue of can i sit this one out can i you know go third paddler it was just let me get let me at them yeah and it was it was phenomenal to watch and and we just built some momentum which yeah. flowed through for six seven eight years and a lot of young boys and girls came in on the back of that and did some great things in the sport yeah. and it was just it's just great to give back and, and watch that progression so what, what do you think you you brought to that just someone that was there for them all the time they know me or, or the squad just knew that i was going to be there totally committed on time get the session done and then we can go and have a good time but yeah and, and in years and years and years of watching and learning and watching other athletes and um, just trying to build a committed group to represent Manly Lifesaving Club was the key to our success because all the history was there. Mm. And I couldn't, you know, I used to just bang on about all these guys that fought and died for this club. This is the greatest club. And, and I still believe it's probably still the greatest club on stats. Mm. We're getting yeah. gobbled up by Northcliffe pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, it was just, we need to win for this place. Mm. And it was a great time. And that was the back of the golden era of the, of the boys through the 80s and 90s, what they built. As I was a young kid, it was sort of, I was just trying to instill what I saw as a young kid, how I felt about the club, how I was told about the club, and what older legends of the club were around all the time to give back to me. So I just tried to, it was my time to just try and build something for and Manly. In 2014, you, you left. Yeah. And you went to Newport. Yep. And there was a bit of flack. Yep. Why? Um, I was going up there. I met a guy by the name of James Brooks. He had a son coming through. Well, he actually had another son as a nipper and obviously a younger daughter in the nippers. And he said, mate, I want you to just come and help me. Come up. I said, mate, I'm Manly's my club. I'll never leave. I've got life members on both sides of my family. I've had a six-year-old nipper there. I will never leave. And, you know, I honestly believe I would never leave. And I'm flat out getting past the first set of stairs towards the course. Like the corner was my home and my place. And, and there was a few opportunities in sporting career, post my career at Manly, that I might have had an opportunity to go somewhere else. And I was, Manly was it. There was going to be Manly Life Saving Club and Manly Rugby Club or Manly League. That was it. So I thought, you know what? It's only up the road, Newport. He had five of uh, his son's mates that said, we want to start ski paddling. And they were all first year 17s. And I said, I used to go up there on Sunday afternoon because that was my afternoon off. And we would train irons at Manly on a Wednesday. So I'd duck up there when I could on a Wednesday afternoon just to get the ball rolling. And in Newport, 
that was it. They had a few beach sprinters and a couple of boaties, but yeah, I mean, back in the day, the they had no. they had boat crews. Yeah, and, and they and Clint Rose might have been their Iron Man. Obviously, they had Tom and Nick Carroll who surfed, and yeah. their Newporters, you know, they are Newport, mm. and Nick's still heavily involved out there. He's a fantastic fella. It was just the opportunity to coach them from scratch. Long story short, where, where, where did money come into it? Or was uh, that never part no, of the No, no, well, I was getting paid at Manly. It evolved from not much. Yep. You know, I started as a casual there. I think at Manly, my first year, I was getting 10, year, 10, 10 grand the year after Naomi won the series. I think we'd won every male and female ski event at State that, that year. Yep. I think we went one, two, three in the mixed double. So the pay increased every year at Manly. And then the opportunity came to go to Newport, but it was just, it, it, I actually went for less than I was getting at Manly. Everyone thinks I was, they put the top on my house, they're getting me this, they're getting me Six that. Six figures. Yeah, <laughs> so it was all, you know, dribble. And they still think Newport are paying people, they thought Manly were paying people, so you can't win. When you're at Manly, everyone's, Manly poaches everyone, they're getting a fortune. Far out, it's, it's, it wasn't happening. So it was a slow transition and you ended up there full time? Slow transition, oh, we all went there as, as a full time paid coach at Newport. And say, so we only started with the five athletes and they were doing great things. They were fully committed. James is a serious guy, corporate background, bit of junior league. So they were very lucky that they, a backer came on board, John Kinghorn, so it's in Newport Kinghorn Surf Racing Academy. John was a junior boat rail at the club, as far as I can understand. They put a great business plan proposal to him about, you know, we're going to start some young athletes, you know, in a community-based sport but we want to keep our good athletes in New South Wales. So we wanted to stop the, the player drain to Queensland and try and offer the best chance um, for kids to stay in New South Wales and do the sport they love and represent their club. And, and as you say, that's where they still be at school, but provide a, a great training environment. So I got the opportunity to go up there and, and be the head coach. I just thought, I'm going to see how the other half live. I mean, it's only up the road. Manly the Newport, like Manly Ringer. Rivals in rugby, they break away. It was like a Manly Norse in the NRL. And you know what? Six, this is my seventh year. It's gone so quick. I'm really glad I have. I met some great people and I got to see how the other half live. And, and to be honest, the kids in the sport are all beautiful kids. Boys and girls haven't had a drama with a kid at Manly or at Newport. Where our day, there was lots of rat bags. But that was the thing about a surf club. You get pulled in the line. They give you the discipline and put you on the right yeah. right course to better yourself and, and live a... a surf life-saving is a, is a really good avenue for youth. And there's not that many, you think about our history, there's not that many that people that have gone bad. No. There's a few, currently. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not, like, there hasn't been. You think back over history, it's, it's not, you know. No, the environment's it's great. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're up early, yep. you train hard, and you spend most of your spare time at the beach, and you're back for the afternoon session again. So it's a safe haven, and it keeps you busy, and it keeps you off the streets. And the, and the kids are in fantastic shape. They really train hard. They're, they're well-disciplined and they're beautiful kids. And I would just, you know, that golden 80s and 90s, the, the kids deserve probably a little better. I think the governing body of the sport, someone like a Surf Life Saving Australia, you know, they volunteer their time, but there's so many rules and regulations and yeah. pressure on them how they do it. And they've got their schooling and they've got their parents' pressure. So it's a lot going on for kids these days. So as long as they can come to the beach and I'm standing on, their, on the border's edge waiting for them and I can run a session for them, Hopefully that gives them a break from their study or a release that they can feel it back to their family and, and just nothing wrong with doing that day in, day out. Well, the professional surf coach, I mean, 
from my knowledge at the moment, I don't think there's maybe um, one or two, perhaps, maybe one, one, uh, one or two in France, perhaps. I don't think there's any in, in, in the UK. But you're obviously aware of, it's very common now to have a, uh, for a surf club to have a professional coach. Mm -hmm. And can you give us an idea, not, not so much talking about yourself, but more some of the, the larger clubs in, uh, on, what, what, how much are they paying a, a, a professional coach these days. Oh, I would Any think, ideas? I, I think the the coaches coaching head coaching role would range between probably seventy to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate that I got to coach professionally because I coached for years and years at Manly without any money, and, and I still feel a little bit uncomfortable accepting mm. sort of the money because it was a volunteer sport, and the volunteers do so much with around their clubs and setting up for their carnivals and it's just a volunteer organisation. But I, I feel very lucky that I was paid at all at Manly and I feel, you know, blessed and lucky that I've had an opportunity to go to someone like Newport and they were prepared to pay me to do a job. And I feel that, you know, you asked that question before, what do I offer? I just offer commitment and I'm reliable. And what, tell me, what do you expect from your athletes? A lot from that old school. If they want to be an Ironman, there's if you not everyone can be one, and that's the best thing about surf life saving. There's opportunities to race IOBs, rowboat, beach events, life saving side of it now with the first aid, and so there's there's opportunities for everyone to get involved in the, in in the movement. But if you want to be an Ironman, if you want to be the best in your state or in your country, it is a tough regime. It's a difficult road. It is a difficult road. And if you don't come from a swimming background, it's tough, really tough. And it's a fine line because you don't want to have someone that swum from six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all those years if they've been doing five or six sessions a week swimming at that age. Then we really want them coming into the, in the window as a 19-year-old. First year 19, second year 19, and then you've got a full open career. So it's... I, th I think from experience and watching over the years, it's really hard to stay in love with swimming. That's why they drop out and they become special ski paddlers or special board paddlers or drift the boats, and that's it's all great. But if you want to be one of the best Ironmen in the country, it, it's just the numbers are not there, but the quality is red hot. So if you, if, you, if a, the, a 13 or 14-year-old and, you know, and his or her parents came down to you, and what advice would you give someone that wanted to do it what are you doing for your swimming and hopefully they've said look i've swum three times a week since i was 10. so if we can get a, a 15 year old so obviously the role is for me there's a nipper program and then obviously i really sort of used to oversee a lot of that at manly trans transition them from nippers into the senior club so now it's oh, I, we have a nipper coach at Newport, so now I'm sort of waiting for them to step out of nippers. The advice would be to, swimming is key for iron, but you need to step up, you need to swim your five mornings, if not four mornings, and then you've got to do your individual disciplines in the afternoons, and then you've got to cover off with your changeovers on Wednesday and Saturday, but then you've got to fit in a little bit of gym. So it becomes quite difficult for the parents and the child if, you can, if you're so used to just swimming and paddling your nipper board, then you've got to go onto a, a longer version mal. And that's fine because you're racing, you still only swim board. So the really good swimmers can still swim their board around. 
if you know what I mean. They're yeah. fit and they're yeah. strong, so they can probably get that covered. Yeah. But when you step up to 19s, you've got a, another discipline's introduced, which is a ski. So it's not a quick fix. It's a quite a long road. So if you really want to master a ski, you, you've got to do an off-season. You've got to come back and race that summer, another off-season. So for young girls and young guys, it's, it's a four-year commitment just there. Is there a minimum, just, a minimum amount of ski sessions, you think, board and ski? How many, like three and three? Or? Oh, well, if, you, if you're a first-year 17, I just don't think you can afford to miss that year anymore. So in, back in our day, we'd paddle as 14 and 15-year-olds, and that's sort of been taken out of it. You, right. you, can't, you can't race a ski here until you're 16. So as a first year 17, you still race only two disciplines in your iron. It's swim board or board swim, depending on the order they pick. And you can race at local carnivals in your branch state in Australian championships as an individual ski paddler. So you can paddle your ski, but it's not in the iron. Okay. So we, we really want them to keep racing that junior iron, the under 15, under 15, under 17 iron without a ski in it. But we really need you to race individual skis as a 17 year old. And then the key is to keep at that in the off-season. But it'll be three times a week. Yeah. And, two, and from, from, first, from first year 17, our kids, our good ones, the ones that have done really well, they're on the ski Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday morning. And do two changeover sessions a week? Definitely two changeovers, yep. And so how, we, how do those two sessions differ in, in, in content and quality? Well, in, well, we really had that set up for the Nutri-Grain Ironman series, Ironman Ironwomen series, obviously the disciplines and the formats change from, you know, obviously we open our series, season up with a, a cooling out of gold and that's part of the series now. So that's a pretty well a full marathon endurance event. Mm. Then they can scale it down to M shapes. Then they have eliminators and all endure, you know, all different sort of little formats. So does the basis of your training, does it start with a, with a distance uh, platform and then, and then gradually? Definitely, it scales yeah. Definitely, uh, just we have a solid off-season all the time. We always have. In the middle of winter, it's quite tough, but we, we and it's quite fun. And, and that's the best part about coaching. You see kids come out of nippers or they start on a new discipline, and that's where I really like to hone in on trying to bring those kids, introduce the new discipline and get them going up to speed as quick as I can so they can contest an under-19 male or female iron with the discipline and get around okay. You know, you'll find the kids will get on skis in the flat and paddle them really well, but it does take years to, to master them in the conditions mm. to yeah. win the chop and the what, ocean. What, what is the hardest skill to teach, have you found? Uh, I find that... It, it sort of amazes me that kids swim like they do and they spend, you know, they might do a, a two-hour swim set, you know, five, six, seven K. But the hardest skill by far is to pick up a broken wave. So it makes it sort of wonder why the kids aren't spending more time in the water. Yep. You know, we, we, we were big at Manly World Body Surfing Champs and we used to always surf our foam boards, which were muck around without leg ropes. So it'd free the lineup up if you yep. fell off. So you had to body surf in, come back out in the yep. lineup and you're, you're in the pecking order. So, yeah, they spend a lot of time in the pool or doing our changeovers, but they don't spend enough time because that skill can obviously open up and win you a race by a long way. So, yeah, body surfing, but then obviously picking up the surf ski is really tough. And we start them on the flat and we just progress into, you know, at the beach, slight conditions, step them up to paddle backs and slowly just 
rolls on and, and it, it is really a committed sort of three-year assault on winter, summer, winter, summer, winter, summer and see where you are after that and hope you're in good stead and you can be super competitive and, and start your own career as a 19-year-old and progress through the senior ranks. And Maxie Brooks is the current Australian Ironman champion. Yep. He's in your squad. Yep. Well, what makes him tick? Max, probably the nicest guy in the sport. And no fuss, just a good kid, came through the system. You know the good, really good thing about Max? Six-year-old Nipper at Newport. So he's come through the system and loves his club. Won't go anywhere else. For the time. I said that for the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Uh, He's progressed nicely and he's brought a great crew along with him, in and around him with his younger brother and guys like Jackson Borg and Isaac Smith, um, Ollie Zignorini, so Jake Rees, Mitchell Trim, all those guys were nippers, swimmers, slash Ironman, and they've drifted out into special ski paddlers and um, Ollie Zignorini's having a crack for the 10K open water. and So they've brought that from the... Age group, when I first went out there of four or five kids, they've progressed it to 20, 30 guys and they've, they've got all the disciplines covered and that's what's built Newport up to a really competitive surf sports club. I mean, that, that's, and that's on the back of Max Brooks and he, he it's incredible stuff. You know, growing through, he's won the 17, 19 Open Iron. And not many guys have done that. Uh, and and the, that Open Iron, is, it's, it, it is arguably one of the hardest titles to win in Australian sport. Yeah, and, and still the most prestigious. Yeah. You can have all the series and, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a true Ironman, you want to win that Australian yeah. Ironman title. Awesome. And, and, and to be on the beach there, going back to Broad Beach, and we, we woke up that Sunday morning there last year and it was, you know, Max hadn't had the greatest series, but Max is, you know, just like that kid that you... He doesn't go away. He chips away, he chips away, he covers all the bases, he's clever, but you don't notice him. He's always out there, he's always doing it with no fuss. And, and to stand on the beach and watch him win that event that day, and such a prestigious event, as you said, was, it was one of, you know, one of the highlights of my coaching career, just to see him run across the line, have his mum, his dad, his sister, his brother, and his whole club, where he started as a six-year-old win for Newport. It was, it was amazing. It Super was special. really, really special. Because no, yeah. I was going to ask you, what, what, what did you think was the, was the greatest coaching sporting moment, you know? Of your career? Yeah, obviously Nomi winning that first series. I'll never forget that. And the Manly girls winning the Taplin and a couple of ski relays. Um, well, I think it was my second year when I was at Newport. The Australian titles went back to Maroochydore and they hadn't been there since like 1980 when Grant Kenny won the senior junior iron. And it was sort of like, we're at Maroochydore. I was like, wow, I raced all those years. Never, why has it taken so long to come back to the sunny coast? Um, and that Aussies was amazing. It was just a we won, we won the I think we won the open male and female taplin. Uh, Georgia Miller had won the 19 iron, went straight onto the line, got second in the open iron. So she nearly pulled off a, a Grant Kenny herself on that day. So the two taplins, we I think we medalled in both open surf races, male and female, both irons and both taplins. So that was just one of those days. The highlight is that club performance at that Aussies because Aussies is. You know, Aussies is everything. Yeah. Coming coming through the, any club, you, you know, even if you're not super competitive and you just love the sport, the pinnacle and the highlight of your year is saving your money, getting to Aussies with your club mates. Yeah, it was everything. Win, lose or draw, have a good time. And that, that I'll never forget that weekend in Maroochydore, yeah. And then Mad Monday. 
Yeah, well, I think that's canned. <laughs> <I think that's laughs> that finished in your day, Woody. <laughs> too many deaths. Too many deaths. Yeah. Um, any uh, talent coming through the ranks that we can keep an eye on? Definitely. There is um, there's a lot of talent coming through in, in, in all the clubs. But for Newport, we've got a young guy by the name of Zach Morris. He won the World Youth Iron in South Australia last year, and he was two years below. So uh, we've got high hopes for him this year in the 99. He's the one to look out for. He actually raced. He got a start last weekend, the last round of the New Japan Series. So did Emily Doyle. Um, but we've got, our, we've got 15 boys. We've got four 15-year-olds. He's two younger brothers who are twins, Jake and Mitch. Got a boy by the name of Bailey Clues and Lee Melbourne. So they're... And Bailey Quite Clues well connected, Northern Beaches families, yeah. Between Bailey men. Clues would be the son of the great Michael Clues. He, he is, he is, and he's doing really well, really nice kid, progressing nicely. He, he better than his old man already. But, uh, yeah, the, the twins are fantastic. Mitch and Jake Morris, Bailey Clues, Lee Melbourne are, are really the kids that we right. have high hopes for going forward. I'm and sure they'll make a big impact in the sport in the next few years. Yeah. Uh, what direction is that sport heading in Australia? Good, bad? Um, it's really interesting times, actually. Uh, there's a lot happening, and there's a lot on telly, probably more than ever. But it's, I think we just, the series has been run for this year. They ran a new um, format off the back of that with the 9X, and we've got our state and Australian championships coming up. So hopefully at the end of that, we can sit down and have a big debrief. Surf Life Saving Australia can get a few more sponsors on board. We can open up with a cool and get a gold, hold a prestigious elite series, um, have some summer of surfs that everyone can get involved in because obviously the series is elitist for the Ironman and it leaves out your special ski paddlers, swimmers and board paddlers. So what's a little bit concerning for me and at times change is the old-fashioned surf carnival is on its way out. Mm. You know, on the weekend, for instance, the Australia Day weekend here was always the Manly Freshie weekend. It was huge, huge carnival. And Manly put on a great carnival, really well-run carnival. So did Freshie. But in another state, Queensland, they ran the interstate championships on the Friday up there, which all the good New South Wales athletes were at. So that took away from the Manly Freshie weekend. So they're running an interstate up there. And then they run a two-day Maroochydore carnival off the back of that into INX, all on the one weekend. So if we can just get the, the programming sorted, have the Elite Series, and, and hopefully just attract some more sponsors, because it is an iconic sport, and it's a great sport, and it's a great sport for your, your kids to be involved no, in. No doubt about that. Mm. Mate, for Trent Herring, the next sort of five to ten years, we, where, where are you heading? Well, I've got three boys. Yep. They're involved in all sorts of sport. They, they did a little bit of nippers, but they've seen it all. They've come to all the series rounds, all of the Aussies, but it sort of wasn't for them. So. They're off chasing rugby league and playing golf and playing touch footy. So um, I'm committed to Newport for the next two years. I'll be at this year's Aussies and two more after that. Uh, as I introduce myself, I'm now 50. So mm. um, I won't be around forever. I don't really want to yeah. just lurk. Oh, I just feel that I'll, as you get a little bit older, you know, when I was coming through my 20s or 30s and coaching, you know, the last, I felt like I could save everyone in my squad. I think there becomes a time when you've got to, you know, the eyesight's not as good, my balance is not as good. I still get out on the ski, but I just feel that... And I'm a very hands-on coach. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but, you know, on the water, I, it's a safe place for me. I feel that I could save myself and save my whole squad, and I just don't want to, hmm. going forward, 
be out there for too long and be that old bloke that they're all starting to just have a laugh with. So yeah. anyway, I'm committed for the next two years and um, hopefully I can enjoy my kids. I love watching the kids I coach. Uh, they give me a great, great enjoyment, but I think it'll be time to start watching my kids yeah. do some of their sports. Well, mate, unreal to catch up with you. It's been a little while, so, yeah. uh, mate, I appreciate the time and uh, good luck to Newport. And maybe I'll see you Worlds next year, maybe, or something, I don't know. You guys think you're in the club? Well, it'll be nice, it'll be nice. So we'll just get through our, uh, yeah. our state and Aussies and then hopefully um, King on Newport can get a crew together and cool. get to Italy. Good to see you there. Thanks, mate. Good luck. No worries, Woody. Good luck.